How many of you here are saints? Show of hands. Oh, there's some of you that either forgot or you weren't here. We're all saints. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you have received his cleansing blood, if you have received his gift of salvation, you are a saint. A saint is simply one who is set apart for God, set apart from the world and set apart to God. And again, uh, a reminder, we think of saints and kind of tie it to the, the Catholic uh, tradition that a saint is one who's earned over a lifetime that designation. Well, that's not how Paul used that term. In each of his letters to each of the churches, he would address them and say, to all the saints. And he was just talking to all the people that were part of the body of Christ. You're a saint. You're a saint. And that's really important because that's uh, this whole book of Philippians is what we're studying. And we've already talked about the fact that we are saints. We talked about how to live like a saint, love like a saint, and adopting the mindset of a saint. And tonight I want to talk specifically about the conduct of a saint. Now, there's certain conduct that, that people that have different roles and responsibilities, they ought to live up to that. There's, there's a certain way for them to carry themselves and to do or not do things. Pastors, we expect them to be, really have their act together, to really be holy, to walk in righteousness. And the word of God makes it real clear. That is a very important thing for them to conduct themselves as a pastor, one who is really holy in conduct. Soldiers, When they're in uniform, they have to be a certain way. They have to look a certain way. They have to uh, be all together and everything in place. And if if a higher rank comes by, they've got to salute. And there's this conduct that goes with with them. Well, I I, I had an honor. It wasn't a big deal. But when I was in Bible college, um, uh, I was selected to be what's called a student advisor. Now, the student advisor, they made it very clear. Now, you guys, you need to be uh, up a level. You need to, you can't just horse around like everybody else. You got to have your act together. A student advisor was one who they would have 12 guys in a house. We lived in this house called Noble House there in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And, and there were 10 guys that I had responsibility to be their advisor and to uh, give them counsel if they needed, encourage them, uh, make sure they're getting to classes and so on. And there was a certain level of conduct. Well, <laughs> one day I, uh, I came back to the house and some guys had started throwing water at each other. And it started with just this tiny little squirt gun thing. Well, it, it elevated from there. And um, I didn't choose to stop it. In fact, I, I probably was one of the chief offenders in the thing. We started getting glasses of water and pitching them at each other and uh, had a blast, had a fantastic time. And um, even at the end, I think there were wastebaskets involved of water. So there was lots and lots of water. Now, the problem was this old house, it was a wonderful classic old house that we were in. And unfortunately, the custodians were really, really busy around the Bible college, and they hadn't gotten 
there to wax that floor a nice wood, solid oak wood floor in maybe many years. Some of you know what happened. I Now see, I, I thought I, I was really being responsible. And after we were all done, I said, guys, we gotta, we got to clean this up. And so we grabbed some mops and, and we mopped up most of the water. And I thought, gosh, we, that was really responsible of me. Uh, we, we did a good thing. Went to bed that night. And the next morning, got up and I walked out. And the entire floor was a washboard. Every single piece of wood had, had warped because of the water that we had gotten into it. I thought, boy, oh boy, I'm in trouble. I tell you that story because my conduct, <laughs> I wasn't very mature. And I didn't, I didn't step up at that point. I should have said, guys, guys, no. I didn't know what would happen, and I thought I was doing pretty good to clean up. Fortunately, the dean of students was also my soccer coach, and we were buddies. And so I didn't get kicked out of school, but uh, boy, was that custodian mad. But my conduct that day didn't uh, rise to the level that it should have. We as saints are called to a certain level of conduct. There is a way that we ought to walk. There is a way that we ought to talk. There is a way that we ought to respond to life. As saints, as followers of Christ. Look at Philippians 1, 27 to 30 with me. It says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God." For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. Before we go any farther, let's pray. Jesus, I worship you. We worship you. We love you and are thrilled that we are included in your family through the blood of Jesus, that we have been redeemed and set apart and you've sealed us with your Holy Spirit and you have called us to live special lives. Jesus, as we unfold this little bit of scripture here, I pray that you give me discernment and give my my brothers and sisters here um, hearing ears. And help us, Jesus, not just to hear your word, but to be doers of it for your name's sake. In Jesus' holy, powerful name we pray this. Amen. So, the first line of that verse that we just read, the verses, says, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So I want to ask you this question. What is the value of the gospel of Christ? What is it worth? Think about that for just a moment. What is the gospel of Christ worth? Well, listen, for you and I, the gospel of Jesus Christ is so precious. 
It is so beautiful because it is God's offering to you and I to be brought to life, to be set free from sin and death and hell. The gospel is everything to us. Without the gospel, we got nothing. We are hopelessly dead and lost in our sins and trespasses. Amen? But praise be to God. The mystery of the gospel was made known. Jesus came. The perfect, sinless, spotless sacrifice. Lived a perfect life. Was crucified. Rose again. Paid the debt for our sins. Hallelujah. And because we have chosen not only to believe that he is Christ, but to place our faith totally in him as Christ and place faith in his gift of his sacrifice for us, we have eternal life. So the gospel is worth everything. Does that make sense? The gospel is so valuable to you and I. And here Paul is saying, live worthy of the gospel. Live a life that is worthy of the great sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf. Number one, a true saint stands firm for God and the truth. This is the manner that's worthy of the gospel. Whether I come and see you or remain absent, uh, let's read that verse again. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Standing firm. Standing firm. Now, we, we need to stand firm in a couple different ways in this first one is that we need to stand firm for God and the truth. I was really excited the other day. I, I heard about uh, the Oklahoma University girls ladies softball team, the women's softball team. They just won their third national championship in a row. Impressive, really impressive. Do you know what was exciting though? Afterwards, a number of the girls were being interviewed and they we're all saying the same thing. This is great. This is really great. But can we tell you, this does not compare to knowing Jesus Christ. The thrill of this will be gone soon. But there's nothing as satisfying as knowing Christ. I mean, they were bold. They spoke strong and clear of their faith in Jesus. I was, I was proud as a, as a brother in Christ. I was like, way to go, girls. You stand you stand and speak. You know, they, they don't want to hear that on ESPN. But these girls didn't care. They stood and they spoke on behalf of our king. Romans 12.9 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. Hang on to it like a bulldog. Don't. Minimize or, or look poorly on what is good and right. Stand firm no matter what someone else thinks about it. 
And 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Brothers and sisters, we need to be careful. We need to be careful because in the end times, which this could be that. I'm not saying it is, but it sure could be. The word tells us that many, many will fall away and be deceived. It is crucial that you and I know what the truth is, know what the word of God says, and make sure that we are checking everything that we hear, even from people that are supposed preachers, teachers. When I speak, you need to be careful to make sure that what I'm telling you lines up with the word of God. Don't just take what I say. I'm trying and I'm seeking the Lord to speak only what is true. But we must carefully examine everything and make sure that we are standing firm on truth. Amen? First Corinthians sixteen thirteen says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. <laughs> be on the alert. We can't afford to go through this life as saints, as followers of Jesus Christ, and not have our antennas up all the time. Because our enemy is really clever, isn't he? And he is going to look for any way he can to get us off track, to doubt the truth. I mean, that was, the, that was what he did in the garden, wasn't it? He came to Adam and Eve and he said, is that really what God meant? Is that really what God was? He always tries to get us to question the truth. That's where it all begins. That's where our culture is today. They're telling you, you don't have to be sticky about things. You don't, you don't believe that, do you? You can, if you feel like it, if you want to, you can be a girl, even though you're a boy. You can be a dog if you want to be a dog. Madness, absolute madness. But that's where we end up if we compromise, if we're not careful to follow the word of God. Second Thessalonians 2.15 says, So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. I think I told you the first night I preached to you that I'm so thankful for my upbringing. My dad was a preacher, so I was in the church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we'd have missionary meetings for a week. And every night I'd be there. And the missionary would come home with us and stay with us. And they'd tell the stories of, of uh, the things that they'd experienced. I got to hear about God and his faithfulness over and over. It's a beautiful thing. I didn't always think so then. I wanted to go play with the guys instead of having to be in church. But now looking back, I'm so grateful. So grateful. But we need to cling to the traditions of the word of God. Number two, a true saint stands firm against Satan, against compromise and worldliness. I already mentioned that Satan really works hard to get us to compromise. 
Let's read that verse again, Philippians 1, 27a. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Yeah, Satan is truly a master at getting us to compromise. You ever noticed he doesn't come to you and say, hey, go set off a bomb at town hall. No, that's not going to work. I have, I have no, there's no temptation there for me. I would laugh at that. He comes and asks us, just take a little time off. You don't need to be in the word today. You've got a lot to do. You're busy. You got this going and that. And plus, you're going to be uh, helping out here and doing this. Just sleep in today. You can do without prayer today. Compromise. Compromise. He works hard at it. We need to stand firm against that. Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. I love, uh, I have a favorite actor. Didn't used to be a favorite actor. I knew of him, but he's a favorite actor now because I found out this guy by the name of Sean McDonough. Have you heard of him? He's got uh, these pale blue eyes, very striking. You've seen him in movies, you just didn't know his name. Well, he doesn't appear in a lot of movies anymore. Do you know why? Because he has standards. And he says, I will not be in a movie that they want me to even kiss another woman because I love my wife. And out of respect for her, I refuse to even kiss, let alone carry on all the other things that they want us to do. So he loses out on lots of movies that he could have been in. But he's doing the right thing. Amen. He's got a standard. He believes in the word of God and putting his commitments first, no matter what the world tells him. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Here's where we have to be careful because there are a lot of things in the world that are really enjoyable, aren't they? There are things that are, that are a blast. There are things that are fun and they're not necessarily bad. However, anything can become an idol in our lives if we're not careful. And Satan will take something good and he'll just get us carried away. He'll take something good and before long we're putting it before the king. Or it starts out good, but we get so wrapped up in it that we're putting off things that we would have been committed to before. Another man that I have such great respect for is Billy Graham. Do you know why we have so much respect for Billy Graham? Because he never, I I mean, he was a man, so he must have sinned, but he never had the moral compromises that we've heard of in so many other men who were famous in the body of Christ. Do you know how and why? Billy Graham had an absolute commitment. He met with his circle of men, an accountability group. He's Billy Graham. 
He's got his act together. He's, he met with an accountability group and they were brutally honest every time they met and it was on a weekly basis. And they would ask tough questions. Have you looked with lust on another woman beside your wife? Uh, have you lied? Or, and, and they had this list of questions that they would go through. And it was that humility and passion to do whatever it took to stay pure that I believe got him through all the fame, all the hoopla that came, comes with being famous like that and enabled him to stand firm and honor God and live in a manner worthy of the gospel. Galatians 5.1 says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Satan wants so much to take us back and enslave us again to those things that were destroying us. And you know what I'm talking about. And for each of us, it might be a different thing that had enslaved us at one point. It may still be a temptation today. In fact, it probably is. We need to stand firm, whatever that takes, with the help of the body, with the word of God, seeking him continually, submitting to him, being in the word, being in prayer. Number three, a true saint stands firm with other saints. A true saint stands firm with other saints. Listen, brothers and sisters, you will not, you will, you will struggle mightily if you separate yourself from the body of Christ. My heart breaks when I meet someone that, yeah, I'm a believer, but I, I don't need that stuff. I don't need to be in church. I don't need organized religion. And nobody needs organized religion, but every saint needs to be with his brothers and sisters. It is not optional. I mean, over and over and over in the New Testament, we are commanded, love one another, be patient with one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. It is God's plan for us to prosper and for us to be effective as his people. And if you're going to be a true saint, and if you're going to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, you will be with the body. You will make it a priority even when it's challenging and it will be, because we're all goofy humans. But we make a commitment and are together. Again, Philippians 1.27 says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together. One spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I know beautiful people that were once heavily involved in the body of Christ, heavily involved in church, discipling people, teaching Sunday school, leading worship. They got their feelers hurt. They got, had some disappointing experiences in, in the body of Christ. Things happen. And they listened to the enemy and they separated themselves from the body. And I can tell you their lives are kind of miserable. Now, they may squeak into heaven. That's between God and them. But I can tell you this. They're no longer 
conducting their life in a manner worthy of the gospel, they're no longer being used by God for the sake of the kingdom. And they're not living with the full joy of being a Christ follower that they would experience were they pressing on and standing firm and putting themselves back in relationship with God's family. First Corinthians twelve thirteen says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Ephesians two eighteen, for through him we both have access our access in one spirit to the Father. We have something incredibly special as saints that we are to share with one another. Ephesians 4, 3 to 6, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Being diligent. This means it's a priority and we do whatever it takes. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Acts 2, 44 to 46. This is what the original church, the initial church what their lives were like. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. In the purity... And the beauty of the initial body of Christ, this was the life that they lived. It's incredible. There's times, I, I grew up in Amish country. And there's aspects of their lifestyle that's so attractive to me. You know, when they do the barn raising and thing. What a beautiful thing that is. And they gather on a regular basis and share meals. We get together, what, two times a week for about an hour, hour and a half? And, and please, I'm, I'm not, uh, well, I think we need to think about life. I think we need to think about how much we share as saints. What are we missing? If they were doing that, and we've only, we're only doing what we're doing, are we missing something? I believe we might be. Now, some of you really work at that, and you are spending a lot more time with your brothers and sisters, and that's a great choice. It really is. We need one another so we can encourage. If someone doesn't really know you, how is anyone going to recognize and stop you if you're headed in a dangerous way? That's what Satan wants. He wants to separate you. You ever watch the uh, National Geographic and the animals in the wild and, and the, uh, uh, you know, the hyenas will, will hunt the wildebeest? Well, the wildebeest, if they stay all together, uh, that they'll come in a circle and get hind end to hind end so that's just their horns pointing out. 
And as long as they stay together in that group, the hyenas or whoever's trying to get them will have a really, they won't be able to get to them. If the hyenas can separate a weak one, that's what they look for. And that's what Satan looks for. And you are vulnerable if you get separated from the body. And again, John 13, 34, 35, a new commandment I give you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. This is the standard above all standards. This is the conduct that has to be there. Loving one another. To live separated from the body of Christ is not conduct worthy of the gospel of Christ, period. Number four, true saints strive together for the gospel of Christ. Let's read Philippians 1.27 again. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So, It's not enough just for us to be together. That's a good thing. That's a good start. But what happened to the church, the initial church that we just read a couple verses about, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, what did they do? They went out. They went out to proclaim the gospel. They went out to proclaim that Jesus has risen from the dead and that there is salvation in him and in him alone. It is not enough to hang out even with the body of Christ, but each of us must participate in the striving for the sake of the gospel. Now, what part you play in that might be different. I'm a guy that does a lot of the speaking. I'm a yacker. God called me and enabled me to speak and anointed me for it, called me for it, and sing, and uh, so I do that. But I am no more important than the, the ones who, Katie up, up in the sound booth there, that makes it possible for you to see the stuff on the screen, to hear uh, the speaking that's being done. Uh, and the list goes on. I love our Easter Sundays here. It's quite the deal. You got all these people up here singing, but you got people greeting. And I tell you what, I've heard more testimonies of people who said, the reason that I come back is because I was really warmly, genuinely greeted. People acted like they really cared about me. Wasn't the sermon that they remembered. They remembered being loved by someone in the back. And the list goes on and on of the different people that do the different things that make the whole thing work for the sake of the kingdom. Son athleo is the Greek word that is translated striving together. It's a compound word. It's composed of the preposition son, which means with, and the noun athleo, which means to compete in a contest, like wrestling. So, striving together with an athletic thing. We are called to compete and to go after this incredible privilege of being part of the team 
making the gospel known. And the, the challenge is for each of us to find, well, how has God gifted me? What is my part in that? And go after it. Strive together. Acts 4.32 says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. So they shared in, the, in everything, including the tasks of being the body of Christ. Acts 4, 10 to 12. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. This truth is worth striving together for, amen? This is the difference maker. This is what the people around us desperately need. And Jude 1.3 says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. And then John 14.6 says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. How can someone know this unless we, the body of Christ, tell them? We must be striving together for the sake of the gospel. Number five, true saints are one-minded for the gospel. They are single-minded to get this out. Again, Philippians 1.27 says, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Um, I had the privilege when I was growing up, I happened to go to a high school in northern Indiana that was known throughout the Midwest for uh, developing the best choirs. And uh, our choir director was extraordinary. And he would get us to be such a team. And we had to, he trained us to be very, very careful to listen as we were putting a song together that we listened very carefully, not just to what I was doing, but what is the guy here and here and there and the gals, what are they doing as is what I'm doing fitting with what they're doing? Or am I overpowering them or am I not doing my part enough? And I tell you, we put together some great music. It was a delight. I love that experience of of going through the hard work of learning a piece and being sensitive to one another and being really excellent at producing something beautiful. And brothers and sisters, we need to be one-minded, not concerned about how am I looking today? What is this going to do for me? But how is this going to impact the world? How is this going to impact the lost? And we must be of one mind, focused on the beauty and majesty of Christ, lifting him up. Amen? Amen? 
Uh, Philippians 2, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, lifting up Jesus. Number six, true saints are unalarmed by the opposition. Listen, we've got to be so confident in Jesus and in his strength and in his faithfulness that we don't get shook when Satan throws something at us because certainly he will throw things at us as individuals, as a church. And we need to make sure that we are not easily frightened. Philippians one twenty eight says, In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. It is a sign to the enemy that he's in trouble if when he tries to shake us, we're able to say, God's got this. I'm with him. I'm in, this is in your hands, God. I'll just keep being obedient. If you respond like that, it spoils the enemy's game. I think of uh, Dirty Harry. You remember, I mean, that's a long time ago, and uh, yeah, uh, when, when he encounters that crook in the diner, and he has his huge magnum, and the guy's threatening to go ahead and shoot somebody else, and Dirty Harry says, go ahead, make my day. It's a great line. It's you always remember. I always remember. But it's, it's got that kind of sense that doesn't matter what you say, what you do. God is on my side. Go ahead, Satan. You do what you're going to do. God is for me. Who can be against me? We need to be unshakable, brothers and sisters. That is walking worthy of the gospel of Christ. Second Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Listen, we got to be ready. we got to know that persecution will come. And it's looking more and more like that could happen here in America. We need to be ready and not allow that to shake us, not allow that to cause us to step back from what God is calling us to. We need to stand firm. And Luke 21, 10 to 19 says this, Then he continued by saying to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes and in various places plagues and famines. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. Well, not if you're terrified. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your minds. We have to choose not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves because that's not the issue. Our comfort, our pleasure is not the issue. 
For I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. Wow. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. Yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. Now listen, obviously that not a hair of your head will perish was not a promise for this life. Because we know of brothers and sisters throughout the centuries who have lost their lives, their physical life. But their spiritual, eternal life was absolutely untouched. Because they were in Christ. And that's what we have to hang on to. Number seven, true saints are ready and willing to suffer for Christ's sake. Philippians 1, 29 and 30, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake. <laughs> granted, it has been granted not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. That's not real exciting news, is it? But the reward for those who stand and endure is way beyond anything we will miss out in this earth. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. This is the level that is worthy of the gospel. Matthew 5.11 and 12, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Excuse me. Romans 8, 16, 17. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Think about that a minute. Jesus will receive, of course, the glory above all else by far, for he is worthy. Amen. But those of us, saints, that stand with him out of gratitude for his incredible gift and out of a desire to honor him and bring glory to his name will also be glorified with him. What an incredible privilege. Again, above all privileges you could ever think of on this earth and in this time. And then finally, 1 Peter 4, 12 to 16. Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ... 
Keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he's not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. We have... (laughs) We sit in this room rich, rich beyond measure. As his kids, the inheritance of God Almighty for his children awaits. But he is calling upon you and I in this life, in this time. Suck it up. Stand firm. Be strong in me. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of this gospel that you have received. Not because you've earned it, but out of grace and because I love you. But conduct yourselves worthy. Jesus, we bow before you. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. We know that we owe everything to you, and this gospel is beautiful. You are beautiful, and your love for us is astounding. We again tonight lift your name, Jesus, above every other name. We give you all glory, honor, and praise. You will be magnified and adored and praised and revered forever and ever and ever for you are worthy only Jesus now today in this brief time that we have as you have numbered our days would you please help us to be inspired by your incredible gift to walk worthy so that you will receive honor even here and now. We need you desperately. And I'm so thankful that you have made everything available that we need for life and godliness. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We pray these things in your holy name, your all-powerful name, Jesus. Amen.